and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. Don't forget at 1120, right around the corner, about 15 minutes from right now, we are going to do Did You Hear This? as we do each and every day at 1120. Um, we want to talk about the election. One of the big stories, I think it has been one of the biggest stories, at least in the last week or so when it comes to elections, is that Mark Victor, who is the libertarian candidate for U.S. Senate, dropped out of the race and threw his support behind Mark uh, be behind uh, Blake Masters. And so this is interesting because with this happening, as close as that race has gotten, does this convince people? Or here's the other thing. So many people have voted early doing this a week away. Is this going to cancel a lot of votes? There are a lot of people that were still going to vote for Mark Victor. Is this too little too late? But I want you to hear this is interesting. This is Mark Victor talking about why he left the race. Now, it's probably not going to affect more than just a handful of votes, but this election is going to come down to a handful of votes, a mere handful. And so every little thing happens. I'm sure the Blake Masters campaign is very excited this morning. I'm sure the Kelly campaign is a little disappointed because this thing is as close as it can be. Sorry, that was Stan Barnes talking about Victor being out of the race. I want to get to where Mark Victor was talking about why he is out of the race. And uh, this is what Mark Victor had to say. I got to say, Blake won me over in that conversation. I liked the guy. I think he was sincere. And uh, while we didn't agree on everything, I mean, nothing's perfect, right? I feel very strongly he's best for the people of Arizona. So in this, and when we're looking at all of this, it looks as if Mark Kelly had the edge, but what will it be? Because there has been a huge turnout nationwide in early voting, but there is also a lot of people, myself included, that go to the polls on Election Day. Now, I go to the polls on Election Day because it's kind of a, I'm kind of a geek that way in that I like going to the polls. I like standing in line. I like casting my vote at the polls. I, I have nothing against early voting. I have nothing against people mailing in their ballots. I just would rather go to the polls, stand there, and fill out my ballot. I just like to do it that way. Um, but it's going to come down to turnout, as it most it usually does. We know that the vast majority of Democrats are going to vote for Democrats all the way down the ticket. And the vast majority of Republicans are going to vote all the way down the ticket. There is a lot of noise being made by some, and I, I don't mean this disrespectfully. I mean it respectfully. I'm not being disrespectful about anyone, about some Republicans who are coming out and supporting Katie Hobbs or Mark Kelly. Um I just I don't I don't see that as I, I don't think there's going to be a big shift in people's minds voting when you see that. I, I wouldn't think it if it was the other way around. There are Democrats that are crossing over. It's not just being as well publicized that are voting for Carrie Lake and are voting for Blake Masters. There are people out there, especially when it comes to the Senate race, that are looking at what's happening in Washington, D.C., whether it's the lack of attention being paid to the border. And that does come from policy in the White House. But it's also lack of attention being paid by members of Congress, both in the House and the Senate. And they're looking at that and saying we need a different direction. But bigger than that is what our policies are when it comes to the economy of the U.S., how much money we keep pumping in to the U.S. economy at the same time we're raising interest rates and trying to slow things down to drive down inflation. And people are just saying we need a different direction. If you remember, and I guess if you talk about that pendulum swing, let's just talk about the things that we've seen in in my lifetime. You know, Gerald Ford got the presidency when Nixon left office, but then that 
that that ushered in Jimmy Carter for four years of the Carter administration. We had almost uh, uh, identical situations as we do now. Oil prices and an oil shortage and a gas shortage and, and gas lines, which we don't have the lines, but we might when it comes to diesel. So the problem in the energy sector was uh, was exacerbating the problems with the economy. Huge inflation, interest rates through the roof, mortgage rates that look like today's credit card rates. It, and that, what that did when that pendulum swung in that direction, and I'll say this about Jimmy Carter, a great human being, a philanthropist and a, a true statesman, just not a good president. His policies were not good, and that swept in eight years of Ronald Reagan. That pendulum swung from Jimmy Carter to Ronald Reagan. And the the inaugural address of Ronald Reagan where, where Reagan said, in this current crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. He used to say things about inflation and said that we don't have high inflation because Americans are living too well. We have inflation because the government is living too well. And he had phrases like that of changes in the government and shrinking of the government. And we had eight years of Ronald Reagan. That brought in four years of George H.W. Bush that brought in eight years of Clinton that brought in George W. Bush that brought in Barack Obama that brought in Donald Trump that brought in Joe Biden. This pendulum continues to swing back and forth when the voters in this country believe we need a new direction. So here we are in an economic crisis that no one could have imagined a couple of years ago, that this administration denied a couple of years ago and as late as last year, and now they're trying to play catch up. But in this Senate race, in these races here in Arizona, people are looking at the direction we're going. What's interesting is Arizona's in a unique place because we have a dichotomy. We are looking at our economy in Arizona and the policies of our current legislative uh, legislature and governor that drove down taxes. And we are we are reaping the benefits of that. We are reaping those benefits. And then when that happens and we see the benefits of that um, and people are saying, I like that I'm paying less in taxes. We love the availability of jobs. We are looking for more and more people who are making more and more money. And we have seen us not only balance the budget but have a surplus. It's the complete opposite of what Washington, D.C. has been doing. So same COVID, same things going on, same issues facing our state that the rest of the country is facing. And most experts are saying when it comes to the economy, Arizona is much better positioned than most places, than most places to survive and thrive in a recession. So we have the value and the ability to look at the current uh, climate financially and economically in Arizona and compare it to what's happening in D.C. And people are looking for a different direction than what's happening in D.C. Now, I don't know. I certainly am not going to predict a clean sweep for Republican candidates in Arizona, but you can't deny that the Arizona voters are swayed by what they're seeing nationally. There is a reason why former President Obama is coming to Arizona to campaign for Democrat candidates and not current President Joe Biden. You know there's a strategic reason behind that. It's because he's immensely unpopular, and Barack Obama remains immensely popular in the Democratic Party. It just you have to take a look at why things are. And uh, I think this is a big deal with Mark Victor dropping out of the race. Will it be enough this late in the game? Nobody knows, but we'll see. Um, again, I will tell you to go to KTAR.com slash Arizona votes. It is a place to become an informed voter. Hear interviews with all of us here at KTAR News, including our news people. And it's just a clearinghouse of information 
on all of the candidates that we've been able to talk with. We continue to invite Katie Hobbs and Mark Kelly on the show. They have yet to accept our invitation, and it's and we're getting down to the wire. But it would be nice to have a conversation with them and let the audience hear what they have to say. Um, coming up in a moment, we get you caught up on the biggest news stories of the day. It's called Did You Hear This? We do it next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. lot to catch up on. Let's get to it. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Libertarian candidate for Senate Mark Victor has pulled out of the race and endorsed GOP nominee Blake Masters. I got to say, Blake won me over in that conversation. I like the guy. I think he was sincere. And uh, while we didn't agree on everything, I mean, nothing's perfect, right? I feel very strongly he's best for the people of Arizona. We are one week out from midterms. How might this decision impact voters? Well, as close as this race has gotten, and some polls have it a dead heat, other polls have it at two points in favor of Mark Kelly. And you knew that in one poll, he was uh, Mark Victor was polling very well. Those votes are likely, the ones that are left are likely to fall to Blake Masters. How many votes have already been cast? That's my question in early ballots. That's going to be the decider. But there's no doubt if it's going to help either candidate, it's going to be Blake Masters. And it could be a difference maker because this race is... Is so narrow in who's ahead right now. So I'm interested to see how much it helps. Rising diesel fuel costs are affecting long-haul truck drivers, especially on road trips. We go coast to coast. Like when I run the coast, I fuel six times, three on the way out and three on the way back. That's like $6,000 just in fuel. With diesel supply low and a railroad strike looming, what can the government do? I don't know how much they can do in the immediate future. That's the problem is we should have been doing something about this long before the winter was coming and we had to use that heavier oil for heating oil. And that the prices of heating oil are going to hit every American household that uses heating oil for their homes. There's no doubt about that. It's going to drive up energy costs across the board, but especially in heating oil. And as far as deliveries go and these companies that are trucking, don't forget there is still a looming possibility of a rail strike, which means when goods are trucking across this country, they will be in. 18 wheelers and they're going to be in diesel powered vehicles and so what will that do to the strain on the on this all of this is a big question none of the answers are going to be good it's more about how bad is it going to be you are listening to did you hear this we do it every day to get you caught up on the headlines president biden made his stance on oil companies yesterday but rather than increasing their investments in america or giving american consumers a break their excess profits are going back to their shareholders and they're buying back their stocks so the executive pays are going to skyrocket give me a break enough is enough what do you think of the possible use of a windfall tax by the biden administration tell me what good it's going to do how is it going to lower prices it is not going to lower prices if anything it's going to make prices more expensive they will add the cost of that tax into a price of gasoline Punishing the oil companies by taking away their profits does nothing to lower prices at the pump. We had much lower prices at the pump when you freed up the oil and gas industry, not when you restrict it. There is no doubt the policies of this administration when it comes to climate change are making things track up when it comes to the cost of fuel. There's no doubt about it. At least be honest and say we knew there were going to be increases. Demonizing the oil industry further does nothing to lower prices. And if anybody out there believes that the oil and gas industry having more money taken from them by the federal government for lower prices, you've never watched what happens in the tax and spend economies. 
former candidate for Governor Karen Taylor Robeson came on the show and explained her support for Prop 308. We have been invested a tremendous amount of money in those kits. So as a fiscal conservative, I want to get a return on that investment. So it makes sense from an economic perspective. What did you think of her reasoning behind her support? Listen, I think she was very reasonable. I, I have uh, I've wavered on this. I've talked about this quite a bit. I am a no on 308 for a number of reasons, and one of them is fairness. And what I mean by that is I think the Dreamers deserve full status in the United States. We're going to make them citizens. They should have had this legal, um, legal hurdle, should have been jumped over long ago legislatively. But what I'm th- focusing on, what I've looked at in the past, is the legal immigrants to this country. And at some point, you have to say there has to be a distinction to people that did it the right way and the wrong way. But... What she said was very compelling in in favor of 308. When she said it is about the economy, she's absolutely right. We need an educated workforce. We have invested in these kids in the public school system, and we need to invest in them further. So she made really, really good points. That's why I want to bring both sides of an issue on. So voters are listening to reasonable people and making decisions on what they hear, and they contemplate from reasonable conversations why I like having guests on there. You know, I've been a, I haven't been super vocal about 308. Um, I want fairness like everyone else, but I wanted to bring on someone that had a, a very reasonable side that I didn't necessarily agree with. And Karen Taylor Robeson definitely delivered on that for sure. Um, it was, it was a different kind of conversation. We've been talking about fuel and diesel fuel and supplies. I'm doing some investigation, too, into a poll I might want to talk about in a few minutes um, that is showing the Arizona races and where they stand. And we're going to look at those polls in a few moments and talk about it and how the economy and what's happening is is this going to seal the deal for Republicans because people are just looking for a different direction. So we'll talk about all of that next. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Here's the question. Um, without, I mean, obviously I have a side in this. I have a very strong opinion. But the b- real question behind what the President of the United States is doing right now in demonizing the oil industry is, is this going to win people over to saying he's doing a good job? Telling somebody else and just calling somebody else ugly doesn't make you pretty. Uh, let's be honest. Um, I- I- you don't want to say, you know what, uh, I'm pretty ugly, but they're uglier than I am, so vote for me. Is the president winning the American public over with this rhetoric about demonizing the oil and gas industry? And uh, just a couple of things that he had to say. Um, he talks about war profits. Their profits are a windfall of war, the windfall from the brutal conflict that's ravaging Ukraine and hurting tens of millions of people around the globe. And, you know, so if I go point by point with my opinion of why I disagree with that, it's just going to be monotonous. But these, this is what he's saying. So what's his solution? What is the solution if that is the problem that they are profiteering? What's the solution? Lowering prices for consumers to the pump. You know, if they don't, they're going to pay a higher tax on their excess profits and face other restrictions. It is already the restrictions on the oil and gas companies that have driven up prices in the U.S. It is our inability to be self-sufficient when it comes to energy that has got us in the place we are in. 
this is where the problem lies. And I, and I mean this sincerely to everybody out there that is anti-big oil, anti-corporate in any way, and you believe that there is greed at the highest levels, and that's part of the problem with capitalism, or maybe the central problem with capitalism is greed when it's profit over people. And if you're of that ideology, I can accept that. I absolutely disagree with it, but I, I can respect your position. Explain to me. And everybody else in your circle, how punishing the oil companies is going to lower prices at the pump. Notice that the president of the United States is not saying that we are going to offset the gas tax that we implement on the American people with a higher tax on the oil companies. Now, it still wouldn't lower the prices, let's be honest, because the oil companies would factor that tax into the price of a barrel of oil, especially a a gallon of gasoline, for refining it. But let's say it didn't. Let's say that the oil companies bit the bullet, took the tax, didn't raise prices at all, and kept everything the way it was. It might make sense if the president of the United States said, here's what we're going to do. They're either going to lower prices at the pump and they're going to give the money back to you, or we're going to take the money from them and we're going to give it back to you like this. If we don't see them lowering their prices, we are going to implement a windfall tax. Before this session is over, before anything happens with the possibility of the Republicans taking over the House or the Senate, what we have with a Democrat-led Congress and my office is we are going to raise taxes specifically on the oil and gas industry. We're going to call it a windfall profit, and we're going to tax those profits at a certain level. Once they cross a threshold, those dollars above that are going to be crushed with taxes. And in response to that, because now the federal government is getting a windfall, We are going to pass that on to the consumer by eliminating the gas tax and the diesel fuel tax for all Americans. At least then it sounds like they are passing some of this on. If they're not doing that, how potentially is this going to save you any money at the pump? I would love to hear someone that agrees with this idea explain how it lowers prices. It will not lower prices. If anything, it's going to increase prices because you know as well as I do, the cost of doing business is factored into the price of everything you manufacture or everything you sell. When, If you think about it, so here's the deal. If, if I was at the peak of my business charging someone in an industrial situation $75 an hour, and this is a number that I'm just throwing out there, $75 an hour for an electrician to show up at your place of business to work on some big piece of equipment you had. And you say, well, you're only paying your employee 25 bucks an hour. You're pocketing 50 bucks an hour. No, I'm not. I've got to match uh, part of their uh, their income taxes. I've got to match the employer's part of that. I've also got to pay for that truck. I've got to pay for the fuel. I've got to pay for the tools. I have to pay for insurance. I have to pay for all of these other factors that go into every hour that that employee works. And anything that increases that cost goes into the cost of one hour's labor for that person to show up. So what it looks like to you on paper as a $50 per hour profit is actually a lot slimmer than that. Not to mention that the business owner is taking all of the risk. When it comes to this industry, they take all of the risk. They take the risk of exploring. They take the risk of pulling out of the ground. They take the risk of refining and they take the risk of shipping it. And so if you want to go after them for their profits and you're going to confiscate their wealth, they're going to factor that into the cost of doing business. 
what you're doing is demonizing private industry and not coming up with any real solutions. This is nothing but campaign rhetoric like the industry said. It absolutely is nothing, nothing but campaign rhetoric. He goes on, he says more. Enough is enough from the president. But rather than increasing our investments in America or giving American consumers a break, their excess profits are going back to their shareholders and they're buying back their stocks and the executive pays are going to skyrocket. Give me a break. Enough is enough. This is, um, again, the hypocrisy here is absolutely insane. The federal is there anybody out there on either side of the political aisle that does not believe that the federal government is redundant in way it spends money and wasteful in the way it spends money? Does anybody out there believe that there are not programs that are not necessary to the American people? And right now at a time where the average American consumer is frustrated because they are barely keeping their heads above water and paying for the necessities, the federal government continues to live high on the hog. They continue to spend money at an alarming rate, more money than they are collecting, and they're doing things that are not necessary for the American people or for the public good. They continue to pay billions and billions of dollars in programs, and they're not cutting any of them. So the federal government is cutting nothing. And what they are end up doing now is going after private industry saying they should tighten their belts. And it is you are pitting private industry against the government. It is absolutely a misguided plan. Talking about the obscene profits they're making, I keep asking the question. Um, I keep asking this question of people about, you know, when when the government, you know, what is the government doing to help you? What is the government doing to lead by example? And nobody has an answer to that question. We want solutions. How is, if they are to do this, it's all rhetoric, but if they were actually going to try to accomplish this, if Nancy Pelosi was going to run a bill in the House and a matching bill in the Senate run by Chuck Schumer, and they were able to get it with a, with a, you know, just the minimum of votes, or they tied, and the vice president broke the tie, and they got the piece of legislation to the president's desk that implemented an emergency windfall profit tax on specifically on the oil companies, and they were able to get it passed, is there anybody out there that can explain? to me how it's going to lower prices to you and me. The answer is it won't. At the very best, the very best outcome is it drives down the profits of the oil company where your 401k and my 401k are all invested. At the very least, they weaken the values of those companies where our 401ks are invested. Demonizing investors, demonizing, and I'm not calling all of them good. I don't have to defend oil companies or anybody else. It's not about defending them. What this is about is why are we demonizing private industry? You're supposed to be working with them, isn't it? I find it fascinating, and I don't know if anybody else sees it this way. The president of the United States has gone with hat in hand asking favors from the Saudis, from the UAE, from the Iranians and from the Venezuelans. He has gone to them and asked them for help. Yet he demonizes American oil companies, demonizes American industry. He's not going hat in hand to those industries and saying, hey, the American people need your help. What can we do to lower prices? How can we work with you? He has demonized the oil company since before he was president. There is no doubt about that. 
We all want lower prices. And if anybody out there is cheering, saying, yeah, that windfall tax, take those profits from them. Explain. I want you to think about it and explain to me how it lowers prices. It's not going to lower prices. If anything, it's going to make them go up. Punish the rich, but the poor pay for it. Makes no sense. Makes no sense at all. All right, we've got one more segment before we close out the show. We're going to talk about a topic. I'm going to bring something back we talked about earlier in the day, so please stick around. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. All the conversations have been really good ones, about, especially about this gas price thing. How in the world could the president of the United States, he was able to get it implemented, a windfall tax. How could it possibly, how could that lower the price of gasoline? It would not. It would not. And it's a supply side issue. It is a refining and manufacturing issue on the diesel side that keeps it very high and says it's even going to go higher. So that's a topic we're going to talk a lot about in the coming days is the president's plan to demonize private industry actually going to work in his favor and take some of the pressure off him for what the country says is the wrong direction on the economy. But there is something we talked about earlier today and a little bit after nine o'clock that I wanted to go back to. Arizona adults ages 21 years old and older are eligible to finish high school online for free through the Graduation Alliance, according to a press release. And here's the quote. The Arizona Workforce Diploma Program pairs time and place flexibility with personalized support to give adult students everything they need to finally earn their high school credential at no cost to them. That is the Graduation Alliance CEO Ron Klausner said in a statement. I think this is one of the best ideas for adult education that Arizona has ever come up with, or at least in the time I've been here for almost 28 years, and I'll tell you why. It is difficult, and I'll tell you, I I carry this chip on my shoulder for a long time. I've always felt as if I had intelligence, but the fact that I'm not educated, I'm not college educated, always bothered me, and it still does. I, I still value a college education. Um But it carried a chip on my shoulder because I don't allow people's words about me to bother me. I'm pretty – you know, I know who I am. So unless you strike a nerve with me when I believe a little bit of it. So when people call me dumb, that bothered me and it would get to me. Um, I'm not. But it bothered me that I barely got out of high school. Barely got out of high school. And – I look at that and I think how many adults out there are in the workforce that once they get a little bit older and they realize, man, I should have finished high school. Never mind gone to college. I should have finished high school. There are so many doors that are closed for me because I don't have a high school diploma. Now the ability to do it on your own time, to do it privately online at no cost to you and that you can show your children that you have a high school diploma. You got your high school diploma, they're going to get theirs. You're no longer a hypocrite about education. Not only that, giving them the confidence to know that they've got the basic education necessary so now they can learn for the rest of their lives. They can pass that on to their children. They can help their young children do their homework. They don't feel as if they don't want their children to know that they're uneducated. And these are real emotions for people. But the practical application of this and going to an imp- in, into an internship or an apprenticeship program, if you're going to go into any of the trades, 
And there's that big trade thing that's gone on and a big push to get people into the apprenticeship programs. You have to have a high school diploma or an equivalency to get into many of these programs. And imagine the difference in your life four years down the road after an apprenticeship where if you're an electrician, you're making seventy five or eighty thousand dollars per year, maybe even more with overtime. You've got a pension plan or at least a, a 401k a retirement plan and good health insurance benefits where you can take care of your your family. Imagine that being the goal and now it's real to you not going to cost you anything to get your high school diploma this is amazing and i think it's going to help many people how about people that came here and they came as a you know they were a young person in a family that came to this country they didn't speak english very well they had to work in order to help support the family how many immigrant stories have we heard like that where school has taken a back seat now it doesn't have to and if you're an adult over 21 years old you can get online and you can get your high school diploma it's an, I think it's a fantastic idea. It gets us back to basics, the basic level of education that's necessary to thrive in this country. Now, the only concern I would have, and it certainly isn't an, educa- a, 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 an accusation of this group because I don't really know much about it. I'm going to look more into it in the, follow- in the coming days. Is this a real educational tool or is this just a piece of paper that you get for logging in online? If you're truly going to test people and you're truly going to make sure that they're meeting the minimum standard, you're going to make sure that they can read and perform the basic math skills, pass the civics exam, going to do those things that anybody would need to get out of high school and know they're qualified for the next stage in their life. I think it's a fantastic idea. I just don't want it to be a rubber stamp. That's all. Let them feel the accomplishment of earning it, not just signing on and getting it, but earning it. It is a great accomplishment to feel like you've earned something. So let's hope this program is very successful. We're going to keep a close eye on this for sure as time moves forward. Social media users at Broomhead KTAR on Twitter is my personal account. That's where you can correspond with me directly. At Broomhead Show, just update you on guests and things that are happening on the show. Tomorrow on the show, Phoenix Police Chief Sullivan is going to join us. The new Phoenix Police Chief will join us to talk about things in the city of Phoenix. Have a great day, everyone. Back tomorrow. God bless.